0: Oh, it is the Matt Mosley show, ESPN Central Texas, and when I have a chance to talk to this guy, I just change the whole schedule. Uh, Rick Goose Goslin, Rick, this it's uh, it's unlike me to be checking my phone, but boy, I saw you uh, responded to me, and I said, "Hey, let's get uh, let's get the great Goose Goslin on." How are you today, sir?
1: Spectacular, man. How about you?
0: Well, I'm doing fine, and uh, I always kind of I get excited, and uh, when the uh, the Rick Gosselin's 2022 the NFL Special Teams Rankings come out, and uh, that's that's always a uh, that, that's always an interesting time, and and uh, I, I I just like I everybody kind of likes to look back and see how folks finish on all these things, uh, Goose. It, it, 22 different categories that you put into this. How long, how, how many years you've been doing this now?
1: <coughs> My 42nd. Oh, that I've done this. I've got the, I got the formula from Frank Ansback back in the early eighties when I was covering the Kansas city chiefs. And of course, Frank was a legendary special teams coach back then. There were only 12 coaches, 12 special teams coached in the league in 2018, 2016 2016. And he devised a formula to figure out where the chiefs ranked every year. And, Gave that formula to me. I've added 10 categories over the years, and here we go.
0: 42 years in coming. Wow. It 22 kicking game categories, and uh, this is kind of like, well, I I bet they kind of wait. Do you ever hear uh, from special teams coaches, uh, Goose, seeing if they can get an early peak before you uh, get ready to release it? Are they... (laughs) How how excited are they to, to kind of find out? I bet it's the ones that know they're going to do pretty well are the ones that are kind of reaching out to you.
1: No, not really. I got uh, usually a day after a team's uh, a, a team season end, I'll get an email from the special teams coach saying one, one of the rankings coming out. Uh huh. They're they're a little more credible than you think. There are there are, were coaches over the years that have gotten bonuses based on where they finished in my special teams rankings. So they're 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 highly regarded.
0: I like that. I like that the but the the gosselin bonus the uh, put the incentives in there. Now this one was fascinating to me. The Houston Texans. Now they fire a coach every year. It seems, uh, so we don't really think they're going to finish well in in too much of anything. Yet they were right at the top. I mean, finish first in in your rankings, and that one. That would really grab my attention. Um, how much of a quirk, or or how much, you know, how unlikely is that for a team that finishes that poorly to do that well in special teams? And does that Fair. does it happen every, you know, every once in a while?
1: Not very often. I've never seen where the, one of the worst teams in the league had the best special teams. I mean, this team ranked what like thirty? I think thirtieth in offense, thirty first in defense, and first in special teams. <laughs> <laughs> if, they, if they didn't have special teams, they might have, they might have gone winless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Talking to Rick Gosselin on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, about these rankings. and and uh, I, I like kind of what you, you taught the special teams coach told you. They, they took it on themselves, and even though they were doing poorly as a team, it's kind of like the specialists were almost a team within a team, and took great pride in it all season. I, I thought that was really interesting when you talked to some of those folks the way they approached it and just said, Hey, you know, we, we got we have to do our job and, and let's take a lot of pride in it. And that's that's exactly what it seemed like the Texans did, at least with their, their kicking day, game and their special teams unit.
1: Yeah, I talked to Frank Ross, the special teams coach yesterday, and he said exactly that they uh, do your job. Whatever your job is, do your job. If it's kicking field goal, if it's covering punts, if it's covering kickoffs, if it's blocking on on extra point kicks, just do your job. And he he got that mindset onto this team. Forget what's going on in offense and defense. When you go on the field in fourth down or for kickoff, just do your job. And they did it as well as anybody this year.
0: Yeah, and and what really grabbed my attention, too, was the – uh, the fact that the top 2 seeds in the playoffs ended up finishing in the bottom 2 of the rankings eagles finished 31st and the chiefs dead last with 461 total points in your 22 categories um it, it, what what did that say to you and that that is really uh a, a, an interesting on the other end of this thing
1: yeah that's that's the first time i've seen that too well here here's another one Tampa finished 30th. Cincinnati finished 26th. What this tells me is teams are putting more and more on the franchise quarterback. Mahomes, oh. Dylan Hurts, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, they're putting more and more of a burden on the quarterback to win. If they're cutting, they're cutting corners, if they're, if they're keeping seven wide receivers as opposed to an extra linebacker to cover kicks, they're, they're putting winning on the plate of a quarterback, you notice Houston finishes. They didn't have that. Houston finished first. Seattle, with no quarterback, finished second. Baltimore, with the injuries, finished third. Carolina finished fourth. Again, with without any quarterback stability. So I think that's what we're seeing. The trend is, and I'll take it back even further uh, in, in the history of these rankings. See here. The only teams that really ranked in the 20s and special teams. For instance, the Rams finished uh, 16th last year. Kansas City finished 6th, New England 6th, Denver seven when they were winning it. The teams, the highest-ranking teams and best teams, Green Bay in 2010 finished 29th, as did New Orleans in, tw- in 2009. Franchise quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, they were there to bail you out. In 2006, when the Colts won, they finished 26th as best teams. Again, Peyton Manning's there to bail you out. Tampa Bay in 2020. And it's 22nd Tom Brady. The quarterback the more and more focus is going on the quarterback and if you're going to cut mm-hmm. corners, don't cut it at the quarterback position. And that's what this told me that the way especially this year all the core all the great quarterbacks were down lower because teams expect the quarterback to bail him out no matter how bad their special teams are or their defense for that matter.
0: That's fascinating. Uh I like these big disparities in some of these rankings. The inside the 20 punts. Carolina does the best there with 39. Now, it probably means they're punting more than some other teams, but still, they, they took advantage of their opportunities and were putting people back deep. The Detroit Lions, with the worst, 14 all season. Now, again, we might look and find that Dan Campbell... Went for it more than anybody else. Maybe they were punting fewer times than everybody else, but that's still a huge disparity between 39 punts inside the 20. And and, uh, and and I mean that's that's that really stood out to me.
1: Yeah, Detroit also had one of the best offenses in football. They were scoring a lot of points. They were moving the ball, and and they were they were punting it from in closer. Uh, you know, if you're kicking the ball 40 42 yards for a touchback. I think usually the teams with more touchbacks, of the team, the offenses are a little, a little less. You pick them, kick them farther out, and I think that was the case of Detroit. The offense was so good; they're always kicking from midfield, and when that happens, a lot of balls are Boston in the end zone.
0: Rick Goose Goslin joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Goose was a beat writer for the Cowboys, one of the great NFL writers we've ever seen he's in the pro football hall of fame and a great draft guy over the years but boy you covered plenty of these 49ers cowboys games and it's kind of like the whole yes, thing has been renewed in these last couple of seasons of, of those that you attended personally which is the which is that uh, the the matchup yep. between the cowboys and niners that stands out to the most to you in your mind
1: uh, the 92 game when, uh, when they went to San Francisco, won that NFC title game. The, the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys were expecting to compete for Super Bowls in 1993. I think it caught them by surprise that they beat San Francisco on the road. I think that was supposed to be another step toward being a Super Bowl champion, playing on the road at San Francisco. But they won that game, and they won it because Jimmy told Norm to go for it. And they threw that pass to uh, Alvin Harper when everybody thought they were going to you know, run, run the clock and, and run the ball. And that was that was, that was was Jimmy Johnson, quite frankly. But that's, uh, of all the Niner games, that's the one, one most memorable to me. second one would probably be the parallel ones, Dallas, and uh, midfield star, uh, Prancing, where, where they came out and whacked him. But the 92 game is one that stands out right above all's.
0: Okay, so it was 93 season when Jimmy had his famous How About Them <laughs> Cowboys? Is that, is that, that's, that's uh, the, yeah, the, the but, but,
1: but they were going to win that game. They were at home. They're the better team. San Francisco, I thought was better team in 1992. That was a huge upset. The 93, uh, they were going to, they were at home. They're going to win that game. And that, that's why Jimmy, Jimmy knew, Jimmy, knew. Jimmy, Jimmy wouldn't have said that in 92, but he would say it in 93.
0: Did you see anything from Dak in that last game against Tampa and, And and see anything from that Cowboys defense that made you think differently heading into this divisional matchup? I mean, they had played so horribly against the commanders. And I think a lot of people, boy, didn't have a lot of confidence going into that game. At least fans and even media did not have much confidence in the Cowboys. And yet, they played so well. Do you kind of feel differently now based on how they played against Tampa? And and what kind of chance do you give them going in? And because obviously they're going against a, an inexperienced rookie quarterback that should be in the Cowboys' favor.
1: Yeah, it was encouraging. The deck was again Dak Prescott that he looked poised and confident, and he threw the ball well. What puzzled me is that to beat the Cowboys, you got to run the football. Tampa ran the ball 12 times and threw it 66 times. You're not going to beat the Cowboys with the football in the air. And that's where it's going to change this week. San Francisco is going to run the ball. This is one of the best run defense, run, run offenses in football. They're top five. Dallas has difficulty stopping to run. You look at the, the, the five games the Cowboys lost. In four of them, the teams ran more than they threw. Aaron Rodgers threw only 20 passes and that went over the Cowboys. They rushed 207 yards. Jacksonville rushed 192 yards. Tampa, 152 in that opener. Washington, 151. Philadelphia, 136. The teams that run the ball have success against the Cowboys. The Cowboys feast on turnovers. The Niners don't turn the ball over. Third fewest in the NFL with only 17. They don't give you the ball, and the Cowboys need takeaways. They're going to have to force some because San Francisco is going to run the football. If they can't stop the run, the playoff run is going to end here for the Cowboys.
0: Well, it's going to be, it'll be fun. Do you find yourself this time of year? Do you, uh, are you, do you still kind of uh, put some, think about the, the mock draft? I mean, you, that's what you were known for—one of the great uh, mock drafters. And then, obviously, your top one hundred was always something everybody wanted to get their hands on. Do you do you still kind of watch the college game with the with the eye for the for the draft?
1: No, it's it's been a while. I, last time I worked the draft was twenty eleven. You know, I, have, I I still miss it. some yeah. extent. But all the guys that I, all my sources, all the guys from all the clubs, you know, a lot of them have moved on. You know, retired and such. So it would it wouldn't have been the same you know it wasn't wouldn't be like i'd just pick up and do it again tomorrow because a lot of my my best uh, resources you know have have left the game but yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun trying to piece together the draft and i had a lot of help i was the only guy talking to all 32 teams and the insight these people were giving me you know i got my my um uh, my website rickdowsen.com i've got a bunch of draft reviews where i took a look back at what scouts were saying and telling us that I was saying about players before they were drafted. I got Peyton Manning on there, J.J. Watt, Tom Brady, uh, DeMarcus Ware, Jason Witten. I, I, I'm going through uh, Drew Brees. And a lot of the stuff, you know, there are negatives on everybody. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of draft hindsighters now not saying, well, you know, we would have taken Peyton Manning. Nah, that's not the case. Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf, that was a split... That was a split league as to who was going to be the better quarterback. But, yeah, I miss, I, I miss the insight, talking to the GMs and the head coaches and the scouts and the assistant coaches around the league and building a draft board and building a mock draft. It was a lot of fun. But, again, that's, you know, life goes on.